The following podcast is a Clutch Media production. Welcome to They Get It. My name's Kelsey, and my co-host Emma and I love direct-to-consumer brands. Whether it's an amazing customer experience or a really killer social strategy, this podcast will feature the brands and founders who just get it. Welcome back to another episode. Today we sat down with Nick, who's one of the co-founders of Midday Squares, along with his wife and Mm brother-in-law. And I actually came across Midday Squares a couple years ago in the grocery store, and we get into this in the episode, but I was like, Midday Square? Oh my gosh. So I don't have to eat chocolate in the afternoon. I can eat something that actually has nutrients and that's actually going to give me energy. And it just was like, such an easy purchase for me. And so their brand has stuck with me since then. Um, Because yes, their product is great, but that's not the reason why I picked it off the shelf. And so we knew we wanted to have a conversation with them. And yeah, it was a really fun one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Nick is so good. If you're looking for something that's like entertaining while also slapping you in the face with a ton of info, this is it. Um, This was such a fun one to record. So for anyone that's not familiar with midday squares, like Emma said, they're kind of like a, a combination of a chocolate bar and a protein bar. If the protein bar didn't have any of the bad characteristics that normal protein bars do, Um, You know, they're all natural, no preservatives, vegan, um, just really good for you bars that you can feel good about eating, even if it's at three o'clock in the afternoon. Now, we love them partially because the product is really good, but also because they have an amazing business. So they're based in Canada. They're in 1500 stores nationally which is insane and you'll hear from nick and his story like they started from humble beginnings literally making this product in their apartment in their kitchen quickly outgrew that and now have moved into their third facility which is just like a dream come true yeah and one thing i'll plug if you want to hear more of their backstory they have a really good founder story on their instagram so check that out and they have their own podcast Mm -hmm. as well so they've got lots of good content if you like what nick has to say yeah we take this episode in a lot of different directions and i just really appreciate how upfront and honest nick is we get on the topic of mental health of working with family of finding investors Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff so enjoy it's a really good one Today, we've got Nick from Midday Squares, and Nick, we're super pumped to talk to you. What you've done with Midday Squares is incredible. So yeah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. So to start off, um, something that is super interesting to me is you work with your wife and your brother-in-law. Is that correct? Is that yeah, you? That, that it is a full-out family affair. <laughs> and what's that like? Um I like to say it all the time. This is like super important point for me and for I think the audience to listen to is that they are not my partner because they are my um, uh, because she's my wife and Jake's not my partner because he's my brother-in-law. They're actually the best people at what they do. And so that makes the relationship a lot easier because we really trust each other's skill set. And like we really need each other to survive, right? This whole company doesn't work without us three. So I think fundamentally that's super important, right? Because sometimes Mm -hmm. people just get into partnerships for the sake of getting into partnerships because it's easy. It's like, hey, that's my my husband. We should do something together, you know? Like that's not – I think that's a really poor way of going about it is Mm -hmm. Les is truthfully – 
a creative genius and the only person that I know that can build out and run a manufacturing plant. Jake knows how to build a brand better than anybody. And I'm an ops. Like I'm just, in my opinion, I'm the best at ops and that's, that's what I like doing. And so uh, it, it's beautiful, but it also is really hard. And so we implemented, uh, uh, you know, my last partnership, I was in software, we were four partners and a lot of things didn't get talked about. A lot of error wasn't, uh, kind of aired out a lot of problems weren't aired out and so i told jake and les that i would not enter this partnership unless we committed to seeing a business therapist every two weeks no uh, way yeah yeah we see one uh yeah. shout out james gavin uh james is gonna kill me i i i, I think he's like he's never been more booked up in his life because i keep shouting him out on everything. um and he you know jim is actually because you both work with Shopify, correct? At Shopify, yeah. Yes. Yes. So Jim was introduced to us uh, via Tobias Luke's uh, oh, no coach. Way. Yeah, and uh, that, that, that small world. Yeah, that's that's how that happened. So we see him now every week. Uh, I see one week just my wife and I, and then uh, the other week I see the tri- we see the tripod all together. And without that level of hard conversations and, and therapy and coaching, uh, there would be no midday squares today. Wow. Okay. We need to dig into that a little bit. So I can only imagine like coming from an environment where nobody talks about anything. It's so frustrating. I've been there. Oh. How were those initial conversations when you're like strengthening the muscle now with the new team? Was it rough from the beginning or did people just get it? No, it's always rough. I think that's okay. the hard part about hard conversations is that it's always hard. It never gets easier. It's kind of like running. It, you just become more used to the pain, but you never it never actually gets easier. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know if, yeah. if, you, if you gotten into running, even when I was doing long running, um, I would always tell people it, it never got easier. I was just able to take the pain longer. Interesting. And it's just yeah, making that commitment because you know at the end of the day, it's worth the pain. You're gonna come out better for it yeah and i would say at this point it's no longer pain it's just emotionally draining to do it at 8 a.m and then have to go do a full work day after (laughs) no kidding i'm here like ready to give up running after that so (laughs) (laughs) no but it's it's the truth it's it pays its weight in gold so i mean that's don't take it from me just do it yeah yeah fair can you talk us through like some of those like ugly conversations what was the outcome like what how did it pivot what did this coach tell you to do what were the tools so that other people can start doing it yeah uh that's a that's a jam-packed question and okay (laughs) let me try to distill some of the okay so number one thing is there is a huge difference between verbalizing and communicating and yeah no People think just because they open their mouth and use words that they are communicating. And that is actually uh, very wrong. So, you know, um, if you read the book Sapiens, a lot of the hardware of humans and how we've grown is that our our speaking is really just intended to be symbolic, uh, to be able to abstract and point at things and do that. It was never intended to actually be a complex emotional structure of how you communicate and so what happens is is that a lot of times we think just because we're talking that we're communicating Uh, but in reality you're not you're not telling the person you know the backstory of how you feel why where is it coming from uh is this truthfully um are what is what you're saying true or is it driven by some type of insecurity you have inside and so like a lot of a lot of the work that we do has been to refine 
us just using our voices and really figure out how to communicate and get somewhere and um, tone down the guards that get let up. So, you know, everybody's anytime somebody's going to come at you and tell you you're not doing a great job or I'm frustrated with this, your guard's going to go up. Mm -hmm. How do you react after that happens is where all the work goes in. That's the best way to describe what we've been doing. And so some of that is active listening. How many times are you in a conversation where you're gearing up a rebuttal? <laughs> All you're doing is gearing up a rebuttal. They've said something. You've come to your conclusion. You are no longer listening. You are waiting for them to stop speaking so that you can rebuttal. That is not listening. Mm -hmm. That's not truthfully engaging. That's not conversating. Um, these are the things we're working on. <laughs> I feel like that could be a whole therapy session on its own. It could. It, it, it could. It really could. Um, okay, so to pivot a little bit, I was telling Kelsey about how I discovered Midday Squares before we um, got into recording today. And I think it was the storytelling behind your brand that really sold me on the product because I hadn't tried it yet. I think I saw it in the grocery store when I first bought it. I don't know if I'd ordered it. I, no, I think I got it in the grocery store. And just the name of it, it made it so easy to picture where in my life this would fit in and the need it would so serve for me. And I think it just goes back to how strong you guys are at storytelling. So I would love to dig into that a little bit. Um, has that always been super intentional behind your brand? And um, do you see it as well as a huge strength? Yeah. Uh, so storytelling... So there's two, I, I guess there's two answers to that question. One, the name was ultra intentional. Um, <laughs> I've always been a huge fan of the five-hour energy drink. Yeah. And I always loved that what that, that product was was what it was, right? Like you don't need to ask anybody. It's five-hour energy. I'm getting five-hour energy when I, when I drink this thing. And so when we were coming up with the names, my wife and I were brainstorming a lot um, a, you know, the afternoon segment is as big as the breakfast segment. And mm. yeah, it's like we're talking like a difference of maybe 5%. No way. Yeah, it's the most underutilized segment um, in terms of marketing. Wow. Everybody and their sister is marketing for the breakfast crowd and nobody's yeah. really giving the love that the afternoon crowd should have. Interesting. Okay, so just massive opportunity right there. Massive opportunity right there. And so we knew that the name had to have afternoon in it, but the word afternoon is so lame in and of itself. <laughs> and long. It's just, it just doesn't roll off the tongue nicely at all. Yeah. I almost just choked there. Uh, <laughs> you cannot yeah. be the first podcast guest to die mid-interview, Nick. Pull it <laughs> no, together. Yeah, no, pull it together. I'm pulling it together. No, because I'm drinking here. I'm doing all that stuff. But um, so basically, yeah, at the end of the day, my, like Les and I were just trying to figure out what this name was going to be. And we got to midday. That was like the key point. It sounded epic. It felt nice. It felt us. And then we played with a bunch of variations because at the time, uh, it wasn't obvious that the product was going to be squares. We, we didn't know that yet. Mm, okay. So there was like midday cocoa, midday snack, midday snack company. Um, and all of that just wasn't hitting. Can I just jump in? Did you know that the product was going to be the product or was that evolving as you were coming up with the name? No, no. We knew the product, what it was going to be. Okay, we just didn't, okay. we didn't know it was going to be two squares. Got it. Okay. As the portion size. You know, that, that, that was kind of like, 
not obvious to us at the time, even though mm-hmm. it, it seems like it should be obvious. <laughs> Hindsight's and, 2020. Yeah, everything's 2020. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then finally, while we were doing a lot of iteration and speaking to people, people love the idea of two squares because it was two different portions for that they can have at different times of the day. And, and it, it was like this moment of like, oh, you know, <laughs> where literally like the fucking clouds opened, the sun came down and it was like, boom squares and uh and that was it it was like midday squares and and we just ran with it and and i'm so happy we did because it's probably one of my favorite names ever um so so that's that piece and then the second question is storytelling that's jake like les and i yeah have bought into this now right that's part of the the company but it was at no point obvious that that was going to be the piece that was going to lead to our success early on Mm -hmm. what i did know is I watched, so we came up with the execution of the idea in November 2017, and Jake only joined July 2000, uh, sorry, July 2018, so a month before we launched. And it took me three months to convince him to launch, but I had seen him going around the city, sorry, going around Canada, promoing his clothing company called Chase and Hunter. Mm-hmm. And I had never seen something done like that. I mean, he had university students from all over the country, like dying to wear his sweatshirts. He was getting flown out to NFL training camps by players because they just want to hang with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, yeah, uh, you know, he had Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones wearing his shit on text. Like, I just never understood how. And he was just so nonchalant about the whole thing. Like, it's, it, mm-hmm. it was never part of his game plan. But he just always had this thing where he always had cameras rolling. Anything he ever did in his life, he, he videotaped. <laughs> and I knew that we needed that. Like that was a piece that we were missing at Midday Squares. And he came in and like his big moment was when he sat Les and I down and he's like, guys, the world is so hungry for entrepreneurship. You know, Shark Tank's numbers are through the roof. Yeah. You know, People just want entrepreneurial stories. There's blogs that are exploding about it. There's literally like all this happening. And yet nobody is giving a real authentic story of it. Everybody's kind of showing like when things go right. Everybody's always showing this facade of what entrepreneurship looks like. He's like, why don't we just try to show the entire story? And rather than being preachy about it, Mm -hmm. kind of like hustle porn, let's just show it. And that in and of itself should be good enough. Um, and, and I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of fucking sense. It even goes back to, like I said, we were listening to your your podcast for Midday Squares. And I was literally laughing out loud to myself in the first episode. Les introduces herself and you're like, stop with the bullshit. It's not polished. This isn't TV. It's a podcast. Introduce yourself like you really are. I'm like, man, that's when you know that this like brand personality is not a facade. That's when you know it cuts deep. <laughs> It's really not a facade. I, I can promise you. And by the way, the first like five episodes are so bad of the minute. No, like, they're so if, good. No, okay. I, I pre- the content is good, but Les, Jake, and I's um, flow is just completely off to compared to where we've gotten to in the last three episodes. But, but yeah, I appreciate it. Man, yeah. Well, I mean, you're talking to two people that are figuring it out as we go, so we <laughs> understand the hustle. But one thing um, on the the front of documenting everything, you guys have been through a lot, like even from like losing a team member to COVID, mm-hmm. all of this stuff. Like, talk to me a little bit about the team building exercises, and now that you guys are getting so big, how do you preserve that culture? 
I think so. Number one, we've we've literally been through everything, yeah. like literally. Just to set the stage of how like intense some periods were. So late 2019 or early 2019, we're doing a fundraise. We literally have no fucking money in the bank account. And we scratch a check for 600 G's that I had to go front and get. And, and basically, I knew that we were going to close the investment, but there was still 10% chance that it wasn't going to close. Okay. And if I didn't put the down payment on the machine, we weren't going to get the machines in time for the scale that we needed. So it was one of those like chicken and the egg situations. Mm -hmm. So we're going through that stress of they're literally being zero money in the bank account. We have an investor fly in to close it. That Literally, she lands on like a Thursday. We get mold in the ceilings oh, of yeah, our kitchen. Yeah. So we have to shut down production. So my investor is here now. I have a shutdown. We have shut down production. Wow. We have a Saturday team party that's supposed to happen. The investor comes to this team party while we're dealing with mold in the ceilings. Oh. Somebody from our team drowns and dies in the lake. Well, this is all happening with all of us in the water all together. Oh, and, and I can't even tell you what happened after that. Like, no, it was, we had to plan a funeral. There was nobody here to claim. We were the family. Um, and we're doing all this simultaneously. And like Stan, who passed away, was like one of my, my, my straight G's. And you just there. And the Monday comes around after all this goes down. And your retailers don't care. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. And they, they are like, my condolences, are we still going to get the shipments? Yeah. And nobody shows up for work on Monday because everybody's fucking devastated. And I'll never forget Jake, Les, and I, and whoever rallied. A few team members did rally. And then by, like, afternoon the next day, everybody came through. Wow. And we're there packing, depressed as fuck. Not, mm -hmm. You know when you yeah. just have no energy in the tank to do it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and 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 have to close around. Well, the investor sees all this, so um, I mean, that's just one of the many stories that we have that we've been through on this train. And so, the tenacity that your team and the grit that your team gets from all these things is like it's just embedded into our culture at this point. Um, and so, I mean, we don't do too many team growing exercises. I think we're just the realest fucking place you can come work, and that the same. <laughs> no, like. I don't have time to uh, pat people on the ass or, or do any of that type of stuff. And like, we're all there busting our ass. Mm -hmm. And I always say it. Um, there's a million great places to work in the world. But if you really truthfully want to be part of like building a, like something that we believe is, is going to have the magnitude of Nike, then this is the place to come. And, uh, and there's no funner fucking thing to work on than something that hard. And so although it's really hard, we all just have this tremendous respect for each other because we're trying to do the impossible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, speaking of the impossible, you just slipped in that you're trying to do something the magnitude of Nike. Talk to me about that. Is Nike like an idol? Nike's always been an idol from a brand. <laughs> I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, I, I was the kid at 12 years old that uh, had Nike shaved into my head, you know, in the side. Yes. Okay. We need photo evidence of that. <laughs> yes. 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 I'm sure I can pull it up um, somewhere, but that's how powerful that brand was, right? Yeah. They made me want to do that. And so I don't think we're here to replicate Nike. I use Nike because it's the fastest way to get people to understand the magnitude of what we're trying to do. Like in no way, shape or form, 
are we trying to be Nike and marketing? Chocolate sneakers. Chocolate. I, so, so I, I, I don't disagree with that. And it's funny you say that. That has been brought up in, in uh, brain. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think I think what we're trying to do so is like Nike's given the world permission to become athletes, whether or not you are an athlete. Um, You know, Apple's given people permission to become creators. And I think in the last eight months, we've really honed in on what we're trying to do. And all we're trying to do is give permission to be themselves, Mm -hmm. uh, people permission to be themselves. And we do that by being completely fucking whacked out while building this company by staying Mm -hmm. authentically ourselves. Um, and, and hopefully by never conforming so that people will literally be able to see a company go from a condo to, uh, like an IPO, let's say, um, and have that all on footage Mm -hmm. and really be able to relate to the people that have done it. Oh, it's so powerful. And me and Kelsey say this a lot. It's so much more the people than the products. I mean, obviously the products need to be good, but when you're bought into who's actually running that and who's building that, I think it's just so much more powerful. And where you're going, right? Like people, my dad always uses the analogy, you attach yourself to a good horse. (laughs) And what that means is like, there are people who are just meant to go out and make something of themselves. And it doesn't matter what they're working on, they're going to find a way to turn it into something. And I feel like if you have two other people that you're working so closely with, and you all share into the same vision, whether it's midday squares or an evolution of that brand, it's going to happen. Okay, so love what you just said, and, and, and it really hit a certain spot with me. Here's, here's my feelings on this. I made a bit of scratch with my software company before. Jake and Les hadn't done that yet. But this is what bothers me. Is up until 20, I, I really only made my, my first dollar from entrepreneurship by like 24. Okay. So... And then it came. It came quickly after that. But up until 24, I was a fucking loser to my peers in terms <laughs> of, like, it, it's a joke. Like, even my mom at some point, I fucking love my mom. So, mom, if you're listening, uh, I love you. It's just, I know mom. you were trying. Yeah, shout out, mom. She was trying to protect me because she wanted what was best for me. She even started to lose hope on me at some point of, of mm-hmm. the entrepreneurial journey. And people are just, like, they laugh in the sense of they ridicule. And then all of a sudden... You, you know, it works. And all of a sudden now you're an entrepreneur, yeah. you know, like uh, two months ago, you weren't an entrepreneur. You were just a dreamer. And so Jake and Les have been so ridiculed on so many things that they've done that I can't fucking wait for them to have their moment. Um, and back to the horse and all that is, is that I really believe everybody can go out and really do amazing stuff. And that's, that's what we're trying to do is that like, you know, Jake always says it. If you would have told him two years ago that he would be dancing his way to building the next Nike, uh, he would have told you that that's just not possible. Huge. Wow. Okay. So as we're talking about what you're building, I have, I am curious about, you got this big funding round. Mm-hmm. How did you get it? What have you done with it? And, and yeah, where are you going from here? Sorry. I keep asking like three questions at a time. That's a bad habit <laughs> I have too, but we just have a lot we want to hear from Nick. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. Honestly, if you hear the way me and my wife speak to each other, you'd be like, there's sometimes there's like, like 17 questions uh, thrown back and forth. So we just, I mean, we did a series A, we just completed series B. Series B got like literally deposited in the bank account last week. Wow. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, There's no other way to do it than to start relationship building. So I was calling investors before Midday Squares even existed. And I think this is a great trick for everybody is 
call investors and tell them who you are and that you're an entrepreneur and that they should know you. Hmm. And you have no idea the response you're going to get because of how much they're going to appreciate the fact that you would go out of your way to build a relationship that early. And that really worked for us. So, you know, our series A was effectively done from a relationship that was made six years before Midday Squares ever existed. Whoa. I thought you were going to talk like six months. This is years no, in the making. Six years, six years. Oh. I've been, I've been fundraising my whole life. Okay. Like, yeah. Fundraising scene. So, um, so, but the, the, I guess the point I'm trying to make, does it need to be six years? No, but you never actually have to have the product to start fundraising is the point mm -hmm. I'm trying to make. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because all people give a shit about is you and your story and why you're credible. Yeah. And that takes time to build. And so one of the most important things that we do and continue to do here is cultivate relationships with investors, no matter what, even when I'm not fundraising. Hmm. Can, okay, we need to get micro here. What does that mean? Because you cannot show up and waste their time. What are you guys talking about? Like tactically, how do you build that relationship? Um, I would say now it's different because they want to sit with us. But let's say, <laughs> we're, yeah. yeah, no, no, no. But no, but in honesty, let, let's move back to the pre-idea. You yeah. literally, you, you get... If you can't get an introduction, then you just start hitting up VCs that, that are going to be in the space of the world that you feel that you want to enter. Mm. There is more money than there is credible entrepreneurs with good ideas executing. Mm. So 100%. there really is. There's way more money than that. Yeah. And so your job is to just, they're going to be so baffled when they hear from you that you have no idea. And... <laughs> They're literally gonna. They're gonna be interested. I, I don't know how else to say. It. You just drop them into investing. <laughs> it's just call them. Just be like, hey, like you need to know me, and, and the reason why is because I'm a fucking diehard entrepreneur, and if I'm not gonna hit it today, I'm gonna hit it in five years. Yeah. Listen, I I worked at ClearBank, and although it wasn't directly in the venture capital world, I see the finders fees that get tossed around, and like people just want to be the first to know about a good thing. So I completely understand that it works. I'm sickened by finder's fee, by the way. Everybody who's taken a finder's fee, shame on you if you're listening to this. That is anti-entrepreneurship. That is anti-help. You will have it come back to you um, uh, for taking those finder fees. I was just asked about this the other day. I fucking hate finder's fees. <laughs> yeah, heard it here. But no, I mean, it makes sense. Like entrepreneurship, like you said, it's so much about relationships and you should just do things out of the goodness of your heart for people and, and trust that it'll come back. Yeah. And, and, and even like, honestly, it will in just some way or another. And people need to start fucking trusting the process and stop nickel and mm -hmm. dining. I hate that shit. Wow. Okay. Well, it kind of sounds like that's your philosophy and like building the business too. Like you're taking risks. If you're cutting it that close with that check and the piece of equipment that you need to fulfill orders, talk to me about how you like plan things out and how sometimes you just have to go get shit done. What's the balance? Cool. Um, you have, you have to have just a loose plan. And then at the end of the day, like this thing is as much art as it is data and logic and whoever tells you otherwise is is full of shit mm. and it was it's all, it's all calculated risk right that's really really what it comes down to every single day we're just 
your job as an entrepreneur is to make a hundred decisions a day on whether you're going left or right. And so let's say we like go down to the micro of that specific decision. We have to write a check. that's going to empty the bank account, put us in an exposed area of where we can have a detrimental outcome happen. I mean, based on where we were in the fundraising, the belief in the relationships and how deep we were into the belief system, um, I just knew in my heart that there was a very low chance that this wouldn't go through. And in the event it didn't go through, um, I would be able to go find the the money to cover. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, it was actually way more detrimental for me not to have, for us as a team to not have machines in the building at the time that we needed. And so it was, one was a clear nail in the coffin and the other was a very unlikely nail in the coffin. And so, although from a, a talking standpoint, it sounds like there was a lot of risk taken. In my opinion, it was the best decision to make with the least amount of risk. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense. It's all calculated. And I feel like when you're so ingrained in the business, it'd be different if you were looking at it from a hundred foot view, you know, what's sink or swim. And I just feel like that's the number one thing that I want to get through new entrepreneurs heads is it's not about the business plan. Like even before we started this podcast, we had a conversation with two founders and they were saying they wrote one because that's what you're taught that you need in order to get investment, to get people on board. And they haven't looked back at it since. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not a life lesson. I don't know what is. Yeah. yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Listen, we've all been there. I I did the exact same thing. Uh, When I was 18 or 19, went through the whole business plan, went to the (laughs) bank, did the whole shit. I think it's part of just the, the learning curve. Yeah. It's part of, I actually, I, I'm, I'm cool as long as people are doing shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. if you just get out every day and do shit, it don't matter where you, you know, where you are on the spectrum of getting started as an entrepreneur, you're going to find your way eventually. Yeah. It, it, it's a game of grit. I'm telling you, it's actually not that competitive entrepreneurship in the sense that so few people have the grit to succeed. Hmm. So few people have it. I see people crumble every day, like on the littlest, uh, uh, um, the littlest objections that are in front of them. Yeah, I mean, I think it is just that consistently showing up every day, despite what gets thrown at you, just trusting that if you continue to put that work in, eventually, it's going to work out. But yeah, how much dog shit are you willing to eat? That is, we we talk, we say those words all the time at the all. Like literally, how much dog shit are you willing to eat? I'm just, yeah. Well, okay. I was going to make a comment on that, but it's too graphic and I'm going to spare our listeners from the detail. <laughs> um, I want to, I want to know a little bit about like, Emma and I always talk about how we have such different skill sets. And so the natural evolution of who takes what in building a business is the easiest thing in the world, right? Like that's been such a breeze for us. It sounds like you, Les and Jake have the same thing where you have your own lanes. Do you see that changing in the future? Where do you go as the team gets bigger and bigger and there's just more and more responsibility? So I think you're not going to be thrilled with my answer because we don't think that too far ahead um, in that sense is that like we'll deal with that as we deal with it. As of now, it's very clear how to get to 50 million in revenue and still have Mm -hmm. Jake Les and Nick be in the positions that we are at. And so as we approach that, we'll figure it out. And I think that's like probably like one of the best lessons I learned from a sports psychologist is, is the idea of incremental uh, games in a massive game. Hmm. Okay. Explain that more. Okay. So uh, to really unpack that, I was a goaltender. I played very high level hockey as a goalie and it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. 
and you're really an individual sport playing on a team sport, but you, you get treated as an individual. So there's a ton of pressure. And one of, I went to go see a sports psychologist. His name was Howard Schwartz. He did the MLB pitchers. He was really good at high performance individual athletes amongst teams. Like, I mean, pitchers is the epitome of that, right? They're on the mound by themselves. And I'll never forget my session with him. When we started, it was, what do you feel? Because I, I went to go see him because I was so fucking anxious all the time during the game. You know, like I felt it was really affecting my ability to, 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 to perform. Even off the ice or just? In no, hard? during the game, during the game. Got it. Yeah. And um, so he you know, said, why are you here? And I said, honestly, I, I'm, I'm like a fucking anxiety mess when I go play the game and I just feel like it's a, a affecting my, my skill set. And he goes, well, what are you so anxious about? And I said, honestly, every time I look up at the clock, I can't, I can't fathom that I have to, for 60 minutes, keep the puck out of the net. Wow. And so in the early first period, so for everybody who doesn't know hockey, um, you know, three, three periods of 20 minutes, that's the game. And so, in that first period, I would just be tortured by the idea of how long was left in the game and how oh much performance was required out of me. Yeah. And, and I'll never forget. He's like, Nick, you are, you're not even playing the right game. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? I'm not playing the right game. He's like that, like that is actually not how you should play hockey at all. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm following you. Like, tell me more. He's like, well, what is your objective as a goalie? And I said, to not let in any pucks. And he said, no, that's actually very wrong. Your objective is to just let in less pucks than the opponent. Hmm. And I said, okay, I'm following you here. So he goes, there's two ways we're going to change the way we approach this game. One is you're no longer going to play one game of 60 minutes. You're going to play four games of five minutes every period. Hmm. And the objective in those five minutes is to let in less goals than the opponent. This was a huge piece. Every time my team scored a goal, I now gave myself permission to let in one goal, which is very different than the game I used to be playing, which was let in no goals whatsoever. Yeah. That level of perfection was killing me. And the second I started to adopt this ideology of playing five-minute games, and if I won enough five-minute games, I will have won the game, uh, I mean, it changed my whole career in hockey. Uh, I, I started to become unstoppable. And, and I remember forget the next year when I went back to training camp, people asked me, what the fuck did you do? Where did you train? No I said, way. I didn't train. I went to go see psychologists <laughs> and, uh, and, and really changed that game. And I, I really apply it. Uh, I, I, don't, I really don't think that far ahead. I know sometimes even in investor meetings when they ask me the really grand questions, I always say, you're going to be disappointed with my answer. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. And now it makes more sense that you see a business therapist too. This is, you've already <laughs> seen the impacts in other areas of your life. That's I've been seeing a therapist since I'm eight years old. I don't know if you guys know this. My dad died when I was 10. Um, and so I started seeing, this is how whacked my life has been with uh, therapy. I went to go see a therapist prior to that. When I was about six years old, um, I, 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 apparently it's pretty common this. I had, um, I was terrified that my parents would die. I really was plagued. I mean, I've always been plagued by anxiety and depression my whole life. Uh, that's this was when you were six. This is when I was six. Oh, come on. Yeah. Uh, so six, I, I started going to see a psychologist because I was scared uh, of losing a parent. And then at 10, that became a reality. That oh is my insane. Gosh. 
And, and so I've kind of been fighting a lot of different demons inside my whole life. And so throughout the course of my life, I've seen a lot of different psychologists. Mm-hmm. One, one time I specialized in anger management, another time in, uh, you know, really just like my focus at school and motivation. And, and so I, I, I look at it as a tool and I try to find the right person for the right job at any given time. There's no one psychologist fits all. There's actually a lot of different um, ways to attack it. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm very vocal about at the company, which is there's a, there's a lot. I've done a lot of stuff and, and a lot of stuff really, really works. And so, yeah, it's been it's been part of my evolution. That's why when people ask us, like, well, what's Midday Squares? Uh, it's not an overnight thing. This is like Midday Squares mm-hmm. is the evolution of a lot of shit that's happened. That's why we're executing at the level that we're executing, in my opinion. Wow. Yeah. So much respect for that. And just the fact that you speak openly about it is incredible. I'm in my master's in psychology right now. So you're preaching to the choir and oh, I, wow. I see I see the impacts and I think everyone should do therapy and especially when you're an entrepreneur. Like, you Oh, I, I don't know. Every 10,000 followers I go, I have a video releasing. So I started taking Paxil, which is an antidepressant three years ago. Um, and I speak very openly about this because I got to a point where I was never suicidal, but there was points where I was okay never waking up. And and uh, and I'm such an idiot because my doctor was trying to tell me since basically 20 to get on, on medication. And I was so ashamed of it. And I was so oh. everything that I didn't do it. And I feel like I, I fucking lost six great years. Not lost, but I, I, I'll never get back six great years. Um, and ever since I started taking medication, I've just been a new person and I just feel oh. great, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I just try to I, – I know way too many really big entrepreneurs like – unfortunately i can't reveal their names but they don't speak openly about it and it really bothers me uh, because people look at them and idolize them and don't realize that this is a, a person that is reliant on, on on certain medications to be able to function and that's that's a big piece that we got to change yeah i mean there's just no division anymore of like person versus business you need to show up as your authentic self across the board i even think back to like what you were saying about cutting your time increments into smaller wins and like we talk all the time about the building of momentum right like you can feel yourself start to feel like you're capable of doing more when you cross little things off i feel like everything you've talked about in this episode is like an entrepreneur's guide to how to get started and stick with it yeah. Oh, uh, I, I mean, I appreciate that. It's 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 my battle scars. So yeah, it's 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 no. I'm not. I'm not trying to sell a book. I'm not trying to sell. This is literally my life. You know, like this is midday squares. But that's it. Yeah. This is it. This is this is where it's gotten me so far. So take take as you please. I'm not saying I have all the answers, but pick and choose what you want from me. Amazing. Yeah, so insightful. This has been an amazing conversation, and I think we should start just not having a game plan going into yeah I feel like like free flowing is always so much better one thing we do ask every single person we bring on Nick is obviously the the episode or the the podcast I should say is called they get it because we think you and midday squares gets it who do you think gets it um who do I really really idolize right now probably Shamat um he's I don't know you guys have been seeing him on the news lately uh he's like a, a he owns what's the name He's basically the first employee at, uh, at one of the first employees at Facebook. Um, he's just one of the best VCs in the game. He's talking openly about a lot of shit that people don't want to be hearing. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just so inspired by him because I idolize him 
And I hope that one day I can, I can be in a position of that magnitude to do the shit that he's doing and really pushing the buttons on conventional thinking and how he's running for, I was trying to run for governor actually right now of California. Um, (laughs) Well, and what I like about him for you too, is like, it's very similar mediums. Like he's taking to Twitter and everything's just blowing up. It doesn't have to be like these old like boys clubs where it's only people at certain tables that know things. It's like kind of democratizing all this information. Oh yeah. That's the best way to do it. It's I, and I want, I'm, I, I want to blow it up. I really do. I, I, and I wanted to, cause it's, it's our time. It's our time as, as our generation, uh, gets it. I don't know how else to say it. They we really do get it and it's time to blow shit up. Completely. I mean, if Reddit threads turning all the markets on their head, if that's not a sign of something, I don't know what is. No, it's, we, we, we know what's up. That's the beauty of what's happening in the world right now is that the millennial generation of which people don't realize millennials are turning 40 this year. Uh, we just get it and we've been shat on and we don't want to fucking see the world fall apart because of stupidity and we're fucking fed up. Love it. You know, so I'm really excited about that. Us yeah. too. It's hard not to get fired up. It's hard not to. Get, I, I, I wake up every day and that's probably why I'm fearless at this point is I don't give a fuck if Midday Square succeeds or not because like there's just so much exciting things to deal, uh, to, to oh tackle. Oh my gosh. You need to figure a way to sell that energy. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, fuck, we do sell it. It's called Midday Squares. You can buy it in stores all over. Oh my gosh, I love it. Oh, amazing. Well, Nick, this has just been an amazing conversation. I have so much energy right now. It's been so great chatting with you. So thank you so much for coming on. No problem. We'll, we'll do a part two because I feel like we just got started. Oh, did Seriously? we ever? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 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 just, like, I just got warm. I just is my first rep, you know? <laughs> okay, Nick. Well, you're coming back then. You <laughs> okay, part two. I love it. All right, thanks, Nick. All right, kill it. Wow, I am fired up. I'm fired up. <laughs> and we actually just stayed on with Nick and had like a whole other podcast episode conversation. I'm not joking. That could be a really fun one to do around too. I had no idea that he was going to be so honest about so many things. And I just feel like as a founder myself, this is the kind of stuff that motivates me. I can't sit there and listen to Gary Vee yell at me all the time. Mm-hmm. I need stuff like this to actually show me what I need to do and to get me excited about it. Yeah. No, absolutely. He has such good energy and what he has to say is amazing. And I mean, obviously for me, being in my master's in psychology, working to become a therapist, everything he said about mental health just really struck a chord with me. And um, it's just so nice to hear people talk more openly about it, especially men, because especially I think men, that's an area um, that just isn't talked about as much with with men. I think with girlfriends, it's a little more comfortable bringing that up. So yeah, huge kudos to Nick. I think we need to bring him back for round two. Let us know on Instagram if you'd like that. Um, Follow, rate, and subscribe if you haven't already, as I always say. And we will see you next week. See you next week.